0: And welcome to Podcast Me Anything, and Ask Me Anything for all things podcasting. I'm your host, Ben Cloy, and I'm joined here in the studio with Matthew Passi, a podcast consultant. Matthew and I wanted to move the conversations beyond the podcasting 101 topics and move into the intermediate to advanced podcasting strategy to reach your goals. To interact with the show, submit your questions to be answered live, book a podcast out with Matthew, or find the notes from today's show, head on over to podcastmeanything.com. Welcome back to Studio 3 here. I am live with Matthew Passy here talking about the news, a deep dive that you know every interview podcast is going to need, dot tying to questions, and we're going to wrap up with a question. Matthew, welcome to the podcast again, as you gave me that weird, awkward look of like, he did it again.
1: Well, the real thing is I'm, you know, remote location. So am I really in Studio 3? Am I in 3B, 3A, right? Is it, uh Is this still Studio 3 here?
0: It is still Studio 3, and if anybody's wondering, this is also the studio where they record The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. I see. Yeah. This is a big primetime podcast studio.
1: Okay. Well, then I am excited to be here, as always, Ben. The
0: only thing we're missing is Rockefeller Center. Although, uh, is yeah, I think Jimmy Fallon's recorded from Rockefeller Center. I don't think it's in somewhere else in New York City.
1: Uh, if he's doing it through NBC, then yeah. It's, and it it doesn't, I don't think it empties out onto, into Rockefeller Center. I think it's,
0: anyway, we're not going to go over the geography of the NBC uh, facility. <laughs> we'll continue and, to work and and our analogy under- and our cat talk introduction of Studio 3.
1: <laughs> That's fair.
0: <laughs> well, Matthew, we got kind of some sad news today, or actually came out last week. And it's kind of, it's just the... The downside of the podcasting world is because everybody tries to play in it and then they try to get out of it because they can't figure it out. And the news that we're talking about is Facebook is quite abruptly, not even really like gradually got an email just even yesterday. June 3rd is the day podcast will no longer be published on Facebook. How did you take that news?
1: Uh, Not shocked at all. They announced it, I don't know, felt like what, two months ago that they announced that you could... Add your podcast to your branding page and the rollout was clunky and difficult. And we we fielded a lot of questions about how does this work? Where does it show up? Personally, I put uh cause pods attached to the Causepods Facebook page, couldn't find it for four days, you know, kind of gave up on it. Then one day somebody was chatting about it in one of the Facebook groups and I was like, I wonder how it's doing there. It was. I was like, Oh, I guess it's here. Uh, but really, I I don't think they really gave it a chance, emphasized it. I never actually tried to play a podcast via Facebook while I was meaningfully, you know, scrolling on the network. So I'm not surprised at all that they are killing it. Um, However, I do want to make one thing clear, because I got a couple of emails, actually, um, after Facebook sent that email out, which is some people were like, so can I never post my podcast to Facebook? Like, no, you can post your podcast to Facebook. It's just not going to be built into your page anymore. And I don't really get why they are killing it. I saw something about they want to refocus their audio offerings and something about the metaverse. But I mean, what does it really cost them to include it on our pages the way you know we include other information as another tab that... People barely saw. So I I, I guess another short lived uh, stint for podcasting that I think so few people are going to mess, except for the podcasters who had to go through the struggle of uploading it to their pages. One
0: moment that I because I had it connected for me and I did have one actual listener who almost religiously every single day because I published a daily episode. He would always like the post. So Facebook figured that out, put it in front of him every single day. The one annoying thing, though, was you could never share the episode to the story. Like, the only thing you could do is share it to your feed. And I'm like, I don't want my feed littered with a bunch of podcast episodes. I'd rather just put it in the story because I post so many every day. Had they had done that, like, it was a decent audiogram. It had decent visuals. They just, they didn't spend any time, like, understanding how it could be beneficial and getting it into the normal workflow. And I feel like the first time they coded it, they fixed some of the bugs and and then, like, a lot of things. And I was really also thinking, like, can you imagine how short-sighted it would have been if the like the early podcasters would have been like, you know what? I like doing this. It probably has potential, but we're not getting any results and we're out. I mean, the reason why there's pod fade at 10 episodes every time is because people get tired and they look at the results they're getting and they're like, you know what? I'm out instead of like, well, oh, maybe if I just tweaked a few things or asked for help or maybe brought in a consultant to figure out like what could we do with podcasting? It's just a lot of irony I think tied to podcasting and how pod fade occurs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there could be a lot of frustration there that people are putting their heart and soul and effort into creating content, and then they're finding it difficult to generate and grow an audience. And we try and talk to people about what are ways to do that. But truthfully, I'm more and more I am seeing more memes and posts and tweets and online content where there is this perception of podcasting and it's, it's facetious in nature, but it's out there that most podcasting is just a bunch of people rambling into a microphone with no real purpose. And you know, why would we want to consume that stuff? And yeah, I mean, I think if you are just a bunch of people who are rambling into a microphone with no real purpose, unless you are really, really funny, really entertaining, have super high value chemistry, Um, yeah, you're probably not going to find an audience because nobody has time for that nonsense. Uh, it's just not productive content and there's no you know, like our time is valuable. There's just not a lot of mass appeal for a bunch of people who think they're hilarious, you know, talking around the table, shooting the proverbial shit or whatnot, um, and thinking that they're going to grow an audience. And yeah, are there shows like that, that exist and are successful? Yeah, but for every one that is successful, there's probably another 30,000 that are not. Um, You know, the same is true for people who are getting into radio and people who are creating music and people who are doing YouTube channels and people who are writing books. Like, there's no guarantee that just because you think you're entertaining or special or funny that you are going to be successful. And there's no guarantee that, and, and, and truthfully, there's oftentimes the people who are successful and famous and, and, you know, rich and everything like that off the stuff aren't all that good. Sometimes it really is just a bunch of luck. Now, on the other hand, if you are doing this with purpose, right? If you are trying to provide specific value, if you're trying to answer specific questions, if you are catering to a specific niche, if you are filling a void, right? If you don't need the kind of numbers that people are craving so they can sell mattress ads on their show, then yeah, by all means, it's still a great platform for sharing content and distribution, but doesn't mean you're going to become the next Joe Rogan. Not that
0: That's necessarily a good thing for everybody. You know, the other thing that would be hopefully not something we have to discuss here, but the YouTube announcement of their deep dive into podcasting, that hopefully the death of podcasting and Facebook doesn't persuade YouTube to pull back before they ever get going. And then two, hopefully the lessons of Facebook's podcasting journey is enhanced within YouTube. But then even more, this is probably what to get excited about. YouTube is primed to be that one social media platform that does it well and automatically and creates a spot for that content to live in a place that doesn't just get canceled and doesn't make, doesn't add complication to the process and also supports content creators in a way that we want.
1: Well, I I think the other thing about this is that it's less about how we share our content, right? Like, I think for so many of us, the idea of Facebook bringing podcasts to the platform was great, another way for us to share our content. And what I think so few people are really, and, and this is really on the tech and the Facebook and, and you know, the, the platform side is, it's not really about that. What would make this work better is if it was just easier to consume the content, on that side, right? I don't necessarily need to be able to access content. on um, on every Facebook page. What I need is a standalone player or a way to add episodes to like reels or my save list that then when I go onto Facebook, I can just hit a button that says, yeah, what's in my, what's in my Facebook podcast queue, right? Or, you know, pull from my Apple podcast subscriptions or, or things like that. Um, you know, without that being part of the focus, and I hope that's sort of what Twitter is looking to do, um, I'm just not sure it's going to
0: happen. Did you did you mean to say Twitter? Or did you mean to say YouTube there?
1: Uh, sorry, I actually meant to say Twitter because both Twitter and YouTube are kind of showing and hinting and dropping things about the fact that uh podcast could be coming to those platforms as well.
0: And the Twitter angle also has the Elon Musk angle of wherever that could add into of changing the focus and priorities as well. So that one maybe could lose steam before yeah. it ever gets off the ground as well.
1: Yeah. I don't know if, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about the whole, like, does Musk make it better or worse. Um, I, I just don't know where that's going to go with him. You know, I, I don't know. Does he listen to podcasts? I know he appears on a few of them and, and, you know, lights up a doobie with Joe Rogan, but I still don't know if that means he consumes them regularly or
0: cares about them. Yeah, that would be the thing that when he's flying around in the jet, is he having business meetings on the jet? Is he reading books on the jet or is he listening to a podcast? That would almost be like his number one spot where his brain, although his brain probably never turns off. I feel like that's one thing that with Elon is his never brain's never off to slow down and listen to a podcast so he's probably not he's probably got something else he's doing on the airplanes
1: true um i and my sense is right he's mostly just working right like he's managing a lot of different companies a lot of different teams a lot of different deals and so my guess is there's not really a lot of downtime where someone is not trying to get a hold of Elon and get his approval or you know his take on something that's happening
0: yeah Well, with that, let's go ahead and put a bow on Facebook Killing Off Podcast and move into our deep dive today, which is kind of simplistic, but it's also one that there's a reason why people like Barbara Walters and George Stephanopoulos become these people that are premier interviews of the most elite people in the world. It's because it's a practice. It's an art. It's something you have to improve. It's not just something you wake up every day and ask good questions or ask the right question to get the answer that the audience knows they need. So first question up the bat here on this deep dive, when you are listening to a podcast that's come to you for a consultant and you're trying to find out and listen to the quality of their questions, how do you even evaluate from an outside consultant view if this person maybe has a a funk in their quality of the questions they're asking or a kink, maybe is another way to say it?
1: It probably happens as a, you probably base their ability on the results. So if you are asking the wrong questions, then you are getting a very disjointed and poorly thought out, you know, story out of that conversation, right? So good interviewers, good podcasters, Uh, right? We've talked about in the back, like they're really good listeners and they're paying attention to what the person is saying and they're shifting, but also they are using the time as a way to tell a narrative or a way to pull out a narrative. And so there's kind of like a, it makes sense. Like there's a, there's an arc to what they are trying to accomplish. And I think one thing you hear podcasters who are not great interviewers do is they just, they kind of go all over the map. Um, They often lose their train of thoughts or they often lose like the The train of processing, and it's funny, I'm saying loser train of thoughts is on the train train of consciousness is kind of what I feel Uh, like
0: you've got this like on mode where you have this train of consciousness going for a 60 minute thing and trying to keep it all tied together is how I feel sometimes, which is also exhausting doing it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you know, you'll see this often happens when people try and do their intro before they've recorded their podcast, right? So they'll be like, today on the show, we're going to talk about Facebook, asking good questions, and what's going on with YouTube. And then they go into the interview, and they start talking about topic one, and they never get to topic two or three, because they are not staying on topic they are not focused they're not trying to tell a story they are just trying to fill enough time to put out a decent episode and so us as the listeners we're like well i wanted to hear about b and c the topics that were there we're like what happened to those and you quickly realize well it's because the person isn't really their thoughts aren't organized they are not prepared to do the interview um and they are probably waiting to talk and not really listening Whereas really good podcasters, when we've talked about this before as well, like they will have a set of questions, a set of things that they want to get to, right? Because they've done some research ahead of time. They've prepared themselves for the conversation that is coming up. There are things that they specifically want to highlight or focus. And listen, sometimes plans go awry because you, you know, you think you're talking about A, B and C and you're like, you know, A, E and F was actually more interesting But it's interesting in the scope of what we were trying to accomplish, right? We have a goal for this show. For example, you know, a lot of people do successful entrepreneur show, right? And they get the chance to talk to Elon Musk. And instead of talking to him about being a successful entrepreneur, they wind up asking him questions about Tesla or smoking weed with Joe Rogan or buying Twitter or messing with people on Twitter. Those are interesting, but that's not the goal of your show. That's not the focus of your show. That's not the value that you are promising your audience that you are going to get from your show. What it means is you are just excited to talk to this person and you cannot keep your train of thought, your stream of consciousness, your focus in the right place. And that's going to get you real, really good podcasters. Have a mission, have a goal in mind, have value that they want to deliver, and they use that time to deliver it. Even if they find value in something different than what they expected, they are still working towards that ultimate goal of we are going to we are we want our audience to take this away from the show. And that's where I think a lot of people um get in trouble. And that's why so many people who'd like, yeah, we just sit around the table and talk and have fun. It's like, okay, but. Are you always having fun are you sometimes fighting are you going on tangents are you doing inside jokes are you just making fun of people um you know when you don't have a real solid focus or a real solid understanding of why you're doing this and what value you want to give the listeners it's easy to just create mindless content and truthfully nobody wants to listen to mindless content
0: correct there is already enough mindless content in a lot of other places on the internet Even Uh, even even just watching like (laughs) the stuff that my kids watch for YouTube, like to me, that's mindless content of people doing challenges over and over and over and just doing crazy things. And it's like how it's got to be just exhausting trying to redefine crazy and then having people like have their almost numbness to the craziness. The one question that hit me when you were talking about it, and I think this is what you were hinting on with Elon Musk that can be also just as tricky is unique ability to the question. Like, is this a question that he's rehearsed because he's been asked 400 times and his juice and excitement behind the question is very, really mediocre at best? Or is it unique to the point where you're going to get a story? Or maybe have you heard him tell a story and you're like, I feel like there's a story behind that story. And I think maybe even that's what uh, the pros at the news stations essentially do is they understand that there's these stories behind the story. In your business and radio and just doing podcasting for so long, is there any secret weapon that you've discovered to help like inquisitively hear or look for or ask a question to get to a story behind a story?
1: I think what it requires is knowing what stories are out there. So if you are going to interview an Elon Musk, right, you are going to have to listen to some of the other content that is out there. And you're going to have to realize that I don't want to repeat the same questions because if people wanted to hear the answer to that question, that, that content already exists out there. Also, same thing we were just saying, right? Do those questions actually add to the value you are trying to create, or are you just filling the time? But really when you're doing radio or when you're doing television and you know what, where this comes up a lot is people who start their interview with. So tell me about yourself where are you from? Where did things begin? Let's go all the way back, right? Like good presenters, good storytellers, like you said, they'll provide that information quickly, succinctly, right? Ben is a former military professional. Now he's a dad. But what we really want to know today is this. And to your point, like they'll find the things that you would have talked about and find the angles of those stories that matter to the overall objective. How did your military service prepare you for fatherhood or or whatnot? How did, you know, being, how does being a podcaster, uh, you know, improve on your entrepreneurship today? Or, you know, why do, you know, how does, how do your kids impact your entrepreneurship as opposed to just saying, so you have kids, right? Right? Like that's just the, that's the question of someone who isn't prepared and isn't ready to get a deep dive into someone, right? If we can read most of the stuff on the Wikipedia page, it's not that interesting, but how do you feel about it? How did that impact you? Uh, what made that so different from other things that have happened in the back right? Like those kinds of questions are the ones that are going to draw interesting things out of a person, Um, and again, they have to be in the context of what you are hoping to accomplish with your content. This also happens by the way, if you stop interviewing the same people that everybody is interviewing, right? Like, yeah, it seems easy. Oh, I get Elon Musk on the show. Well, everybody knows Elon Musk. He tweets about, I've got a big audience. Yay. Yeah. That sometimes happens. Pick up a few, right? A little bit. Mostly Elon Musk fans listen for Elon Musk and then they move on and they find the next show that Elon Musk is on. No, they're not sticky fans. What you really should be doing is finding the stories, finding the people who are not being spoken to, who are not all over the place, and tell their stories is what I think would be, you know, help people be more successful in this space.
0: I think there's another angle that I often use in my podcast where someone's telling their military story and I'll detect like a feeling, like oftentimes where they're an overachiever in the military. They were defined by their accomplishments, their ribbons, what they've done, like where they've started, what places they've, like, they'll talk about, like, going to Officer Academy, uh, West Point. That was the word I was thinking of. I feel bad for not thinking of it right away, but West Point. And I'll be almost thinking, like, it sounds like you were just, like, trying to prove something or, like, you were trying to run from something. Like, a lot of times, speed in life is proportional to, like, what they're trying to leave behind. So I'm like, What was life like before you went to the military? Because it seemed like you were trying to define something that was different. And realizing those are often like the stories of like before the heroic story, there is a a moment of like, yeah, life was kind of a dumpster fire. And figuring out like those little struggles within their life, I feel like that's where you also get a lot of juice. And I'd like to take the, the next question to you, which initially is hard. The answer is kind of default to you ask, one thing I still struggle even, having many conversations I've had, understanding in the moment, live stream in your mind, what question the audience wants to ask this person.
1: You know, podcasters who are really good at this and who have built up an audience um, and those who are a little bit more savvy, they don't have to anticipate what question the audience wants to ask. They will actually give the audience a chance to ask their question. I work with a podcaster right now who started a Patreon. And literally at the beginning, I think he was doing a $2 a month Patreon thing where you could be one of his patrons for $2 a month. And for $2 a month, you would find out who the guest is ahead of time and be able to submit your question. Then he'd read them on the air to the guest. And it's a big thrill for someone to have their question asked of someone uber famous in their space, right? And- and. Not only that, it, it helps you create great content and gets you an understanding of what people are looking for. But to your point in general, if you don't if you are not at the place where you can have paying members and offer your, you know, community advanced notice of who the guest is and, and get questions like that, it's just about being curious, right? If you already know the answers to the questions why are we asking them? Um, it's really what you really have to do is you really have to be listening and following. I mean, a lot of it, listen, a lot of it is just gut, right? You said I had a feeling I just had this, this idea just popped into my head and that idea probably popped into your head because you were genuinely interested and empathetic to this person and curious about this person and passionate about learning about them. So many people are doing this right now and it's just become habit, routine, it's mechanics, muscle memory, and they're just going through the motions of asking the same questions or, you know, yeah, so tell me more about that. Oh, that's interesting. But they're not genuinely curious or passionate about the person. If you're really passionate about the person, if you are really empathetic to that person, if you really care about what it is you are, what value you're trying to deliver for your audience, you'll know the questions they want to hear because as you're listening, they're the same questions that you would ask if you were listening to this person. That's why I'm. it sometimes drives me nuts when you have the people who are like, we have 10 questions we ask everybody and we ask them in a row. Because you might have asked, you know, out of the four the first four questions, the fourth question, he might have given an answer like, wait a minute, I would like to learn more about that. But you're on to question number five, and it doesn't really matter because you're just
0: reading off question five, because
1: that's what you think
0: you do. I know we'll never forget there was a listener way back, probably like month two, a military veteran dad after launching. And he's like, I wanted more from that answer but you were more focused on the next question. Because I in the beginning, I started with questions. I had 10 questions and it was running through it. And I was less focused on deep diving or throwing out the questions, which is probably something also the pro news network interviewers do. Like They probably have a list of questions even themselves going into those interviews. And at some point, they might throw it out in their head. And they're like, okay, we're going in a different angle because you want to even interview to the flow of energy in the room. Like you don't want to like get a flow of energy going in direction and then yank it back. Like the listener feels that I could easily see that happening in their life or in the listeners' minds of like, man, we were going that way and then all of a sudden we yanked it all the way. And I think sometimes it's okay to recenter if you get off on a tangent. But I think doing it for the sake of like question, like you have a script, that could probably be. A danger zone. I actually want to ask something I do to you quite often, and I think it's a bad habit, but I'm, I am I want to just talk about it here and riff on it for a little bit. Oftentimes where I'm focused on just having a conversation, I don't always ask a question. It's almost just like a, a tag you're at thing where like each person talks about something or responds to something or adds something to the topic, and then the other person responds back to it. Do you see any benefit or is it a balance towards that? Or is that something that I really need to learn to let go and focus on like giving the person I'm listening or talking to a question or is it okay that if you dive deeper into it and then they just have a moment to add to it, respond or go in a different direction?
1: I think it comes down to feel and chemistry, Mm. right? Like you and I, I think we could both kind of read our physical cues. We can read our verbal cues, right? I can read the tone of your voice and kind of know when you are getting to the end of a point without a question or, you know, about to actually ask a question. I do that often too, which is I don't always ask a question. I kind of state something and hope that they are going to respond to it. But you have to be pretty quick on your toes and, read the room and kind of realize, you know, oh, I said something interesting. And if they don't respond right away, you've got to realize I better jump back in and refill the gap now and now actually turn that into a question and not do that anymore because clearly they are not going to respond. So I better, you know, turn around and actually ask pointed questions so that this person knows where to go. And listen, some of that is chemistry. Some of that are our guests who, you know, they're just not they're quiet, they're shy, whatever it is that, you know, there's some people just like, I'm here to answer your questions. So if you don't ask me a question, I'm not answering it. Like there could be a million reasons why that doesn't work, but yeah, in a good conversation where you have that chemistry, like where you are developing this relationship, uh, it is good to, it is okay to be able to just finish a thought and see what the other person has to say.
0: There is a mo- like that? <laughs> There is a thought that I was also thinking about in the negative of what we were talking like asking you a good question because the worst case scenario for an interview is when you literally have to pull the value out of the person where you kind of hinted at it where it's just like that question should have been a paragraph and they gave you two sentences. And then you're like, man, this is going to be the longest 45 minutes of my life here. Because if that's the case, my mind in trying to lift myself and you in this interview to actually make you sound good and look good, it's going to be exhausting. And so I'm also wondering, what is your best recommendations to a pre-interview before you hit record? Because I think a lot of maybe the dead air, the more bad questions, bad paragraphs could come from you just went into a place he's not comfortable or she's not comfortable so what do you recommend for a pre-interview checklist to talk with someone before you get into the interview?
1: I'm not a big pre-interview person. I know there are lots of podcasters who want to chat with the person before they chat with the person. I I, I would hope that when I am requesting that interview or when people are requesting to be on the show... They have a sense of what we're going to do. They've listened to an episode. You know, we've given an FAQ or something like that that makes it clear what is going on and what we're trying to get to. Um, And so I'm not big on that, right? Like, for Cause Pods, pretty much if I see somebody has a show that's interesting, that's about the topic that we like, I say great. We'd love to ask you about it. Give them the link to the form. Let them fill it out. If they email a question, I tell them, yeah, we're just going to ask you about your cause and your show and you know what you've learned as a podcaster. And we'll take it from there. And and truthfully, I try and keep it casual and you know light and understanding. And by the time we hit record, right, I've kind of went through all the motions of, yeah, it's pretty easy. Listen, no pressure. If we go 15 minutes, fine. If we go 30 minutes, cool. If we only go 10, we go 10, right? Like Don't try and make it such a big deal on the person that they can relax and they can open up. And to your point, if you're asking questions and you're not getting good answers, okay, listen there, you can try all you want to get in there, but you're probably going to get frustrated with a response. So ask your questions, get your responses. If you're not getting a good one, ask a follow-up, ask them to clarify, uh, or, or just realize to yourself, not all these are going to be winners right? You don't have to fill 40 minutes of content, uh, every single time. Maybe you put out a 20 minute episode. Maybe you put out a 90 minute episode because the person was so good. And there were so many things that you were able to get into and, you know, all those different things. Um, but you know, so anyway, what do I do for a pre-interview? I make sure the person who I'm talking to wants to be there. Really? Um, if I've got to force them to be there, if I've got to hold a, you know, proverbial gun to their head to get them there, They're not going to enjoy themselves. Yeah, maybe every so often you crack that egg and and you get the person to open up and it becomes a lot of fun. But for the most part, if, if you are twisting their arm to be there, they're going to answer your questions. They're going to dance for you and they're going to leave as quickly as possible. So I'd say don't worry about it and find somebody else. There's plenty of other guests in the ocean,
0: I guess would be the analogy there.
1: Fish in the sea, guests in the ocean, kind of. True. It
0: definitely works because there's. you have to remember there's seven and a half billion people on this planet. And just because you had one dud doesn't mean that the next one's going to be a dud. And podcasting is this repetition, not done in one single episode. You don't go viral because you publish one and then you're done. It's because you sequentially make a lot of content that sounds good and feels good. And people keep coming back. One thing that I learned back in, uh, I think it was... 2020, maybe 2019, definitely probably 2019, because nothing really happened exciting in 2020 podcast, or at least from a conference point of view, which is where I'm going. This person on stage talked about interviewing from the uh, the scars and not the wounds. And so as a person who interviews a lot of people that might have a traumatic story, that really hit me to remind myself that not every story is ready to be shared yet. And it's also like an interesting question that I sometimes lead with is, realizing like, is there any story that's just kind of too fresh for you not? Because sometimes I describe like, if I get curious, I might go into a place that I don't want to go unless I know you're, go- you're okay going there. And if there's a place off limits, like maybe they don't like talking about their dad, or maybe there's some story that like is just, or maybe they got divorced is another uncomfortable one that maybe not everybody's ready. And making sure that you're interviewing from the right place in their timeline. And if there's any places in their timeline off limits, that's also I have found to just kind of, make you feel comfortable that you can, you don't have to worry about like questioning in your head. Is that a safe question or not? But then you also are given the other person permission to tell you that there's not. And then it also makes them more comfortable when they show up. Have you seen that come up with cause pods or any of the other?
1: I get a little nervous sometimes on pods cause pods because some folks who are talking about this stuff, it might be very, very fresh that, you know, we were talking about it, but I have the, the, you know, the privilege of knowing that, if they weren't comfortable talking about this stuff, they wouldn't have launched a podcast on it in the first place. Uh it's probably it was probably a lot harder when I was working in radio or for folks who work in news when you know tragedy strikes and you're running up to somebody who is literally covered in dust or soot or smoke or god forbid blood or something like that. And you're trying to ask them questions about something that happened, and you know, that's really fresh. I I truthfully, I don't know how people do that. And I'm glad that I'm not the one who has to, cause I couldn't, right. I just, I, I could not put somebody through that. Um, so the fact that most of the content that I produce and work on is not in such a delicate nature, it's not really something that I've thought about too much, but you know, to, to that point, unless you are live streaming and truthfully, even if you were live streaming, I think what you have to do is one, give that person permission to say, I-, I can't talk about it right now because truthfully, that's an answer unto itself. And that is a very powerful answer. Um, or if you are recording it, right? Like, you know, we, like I always say when I'm starting off cause pods and Ben sometimes hears it on the tape and sometimes I, you know, hit, say it before I actually hit record. But what I always say to the guest is, listen, if I have a question you don't like, just tell me, Pfft, Matthew, that's a terrible question. I'm not answering it and I'll move on. Right? Like, it's not my goal to make people uncomfortable or to make them upset or to open a fresh wound. Um, So it's, it's a little bit easier, but I also know good interviewers, right? You started with Barbara Walters and uh, Stephanopoulos and even Oprah to an extent, right? Like their superpower in a way is getting people to talk about the things that are uncomfortable because that's what, we are craving, right? If we want the facts, the facts are out there, we kind of know what we usually want from these interviews is, how did that feel? Or why did they do it? Or what was the motivation, right? It's that piece of information that nobody does know, or nobody can understand. So I, I think either A, you have to be very, very brave in order to ask that question, know that every so often you might get punched in the nose or you know somebody might walk out on your interview because it's too fresh or you're not being sensitive enough in the way that you are asking the question. Um, and sometimes what you have to do is ask the question, You know, maybe you don't get a response, ask a few more, Let's get them to open up a little bit more, and then go back to that question, right? You've also got to Good interviewers also do a good job of building rapport with the guest. And so if early on you try and attack that question too early, the person's like, I don't know, you I'm not answering answer that question. But if you've been talking to them for, you know, 40 minutes or so, and you've gotten them to open up and to laugh and to bring up things that maybe they haven't had to talk about in another podcast or YouTube cast or whatever, then you come around to that question. And you ask it a different way. You, you might be able to, uh, you know, maybe catch them off guard or, or get them you know, get them more comfortable with answering your question. So it's it's persistent, it's feel. Uh, it still goes back to, I think, having empathy. and it, it also just goes back to being brave enough to ask it and knowing that the response might be go f yourself. Um, and you know, you not getting what you want from that person or the person leaving uh, in a huff.
0: Two things that I'm taking away from this deep dive. one, is understanding that as an interviewer, realizing that you need to kind of take an inventory of maybe where the muscles aren't so strong in your ability, at least just recognizing them, and then even learning about how do you get better in those things. Because I think taking that inventory of maybe you're not okay talking about sensitive things and making sure that this podcast aligns to my strength as an interviewer, and if it doesn't align, that it's actually someplace where I want to grow. I think as an interviewer in a podcast, we often maybe discredit that or we don't put enough value into that. But also as a guest, what you also gave me was advocate for yourself in a way that doesn't just make you this person on the other end where this person's talking down for you. Advocate for yourself in a way that you are still a person talking on a podcast. You don't always have to be a perfect answer person. You can also just say, like, can you re-ask that question? Because I don't really get it advocating to get the better answer. That's probably something I don't hear enough. Well, one, it's probably edited out. But two, I know I don't do that. I'm often trying to play off whatever they're saying. And if I do think it's a bad question, I'm not pausing and saying like, hey, can you ask that in a different way? I'd like to give a really good answer. And I don't currently have a depth to it to, to get there.
1: Yeah. And maybe it's also um, you just have to give it, again, you might just have to give it more time. Right. If they say, ah, I don't know. Let me think about it. Then all right, keep going with the interview and then come back to it or or reapproach it. Yeah. But also it it does mean that as a guest, you know, you have every right to ask what you know. I, I don't like you. I don't like the idea of guests preparing their responses. Right, so I'm not a fan of sending people the actual questions ahead of time because what I don't want is somebody reading off a script and saying, "My podcast is about this. It is a lot of Like that's not going to be interesting to anybody. Um, But I do want to give them a chance to know what kind of topics are there, where we could be going, and listen, give them the chance to say, "All that's fine," except I can't talk about this, or um, maybe even give them the chance to say, "You know, while we're talking about all this stuff." can you also, can we also touch on this, right? You are, yes, like these people are helping you right with your platform. They are giving you content. They are creating engaging material so that you can grow an audience and sell that audience or sell your product or or whatever else it is that you want to do. Um, but many times they're going to get something out of this too. So let them kind of use the platform as well. If there's something they want to talk about. So. As long as it's, you know, not completely yeah,
0: out of left field. So we're going to test something here with our question of this episode. And by the way, if you want to submit your question, head on over to podcastmeanything.com and there's a little microphone in the corner to fill it out. And we will ask your question live here to Matthew and get you your answer in a similar way that we also just talked about that. If you have a question that you want to ask Matthew and you'd love to hear a riff on whatever that question is, make sure you head over to podcastmeanything.com. And so, Matthew, I'm going to twofold here. I'm going to give you the question and I'm going to give a reason why I asked this question at the end of it. What was your favorite interview that you've ever participated in, either as an interviewer? Or like, I can't believe this opportunity presented itself and I can't believe that that moment actually happened.
1: I'm going to let you finish why you're asking this question while I think about that answer, because I've done a lot of I've probably interviewed a thousand times at this point and trying to come up with my favorite actual interview is a really, really tough question. I know there've been some really good cause pods out there that I thought were just special and interesting. Um, there were people that I used to talk to when I was at the journal who were just funny or, you know, we had a good relationship. And so anytime we were behind the microphone, it was just a good time. There were a few celebrities who I was just like, Oh, I get to talk to this person. That was a ton of fun. What and yeah, they were super going nice about that category. It. Uh, one that I always remember was I got to talk to Guy Fieri before he was really guy like the guy. Yeah. Like I, he was doing diners, drive-ins and dives and you kind of knew who he was if you paid attention to food network. But I remember we got pitched in an, an opportunity to interview him and uh, most of the people in the office were like, I don't know who that is. And I was like, yeah, Guy Fieri from, uh, you know, from diners, drive and dives because my wife was a big, uh, food network person. And like, that's how bad it was that when I did the interview, I was like, yeah, it's Fieri. i right? like, no, it's Fieri. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. But, you know, here's a celebrity guy who has this wacky personality and, you know, he's promoting something. It was a good cause, but right. Like he is out there promoting something and selling something. And so you're like, you know, is he just going to do this because he's doing a bunch of interviews and kind of be a jerk about it? Nah, he was the sweetest guy in the world. He answered everything really well i'm sure some of those answers were prepared but you know we we tried to give a a slightly different angle than what they were really pitching um and he just went with it and when i told him you know my wife loves watching you and we're really big fans of the show like he was genuinely excited to know that people were paying attention to what he was doing what podcast
0: was that for for cause pods because you mentioned cause or is this some other podcast that doesn't exist
1: Oh uh, no! This was this was back when I was working at the Wall Street okay. Journal. It was probably just a you know generic. You know we we put out interview podcasts. I, I probably was putting out like five or six different interviews a day oh, wow. um, across the various feeds that we had. Um, so you know it was probably just like a, they're doing an interesting story. We're going to use it on the news, and and then we publish the whole interview anyway. Um, so it's it's really hard to say what was the best interview experience I've ever had. Um, It's, you know, it's like asking, it would be like asking someone what's their favorite movie or what's their favorite song. Like there's just, there's reasons why so many can stand out. And there's also reasons why I've done so many that it's hard to remember all the good ones. Um, You know, if I heard them, I'd rather be like, oh yeah, that was a really good one. But right now I can't think of it. Um, So the reason why
0: I asked that question and you, you, I I teed it up, you hit it out of the park and it's going to bring this home is often, especially with like an Elon Musk, is you're going to have these like, or another popular interview that I saw going around the circuit was Matthew McConaughey when he published his book. Like, It opened up a rare opportunity that a lot of people had Matthew McConaughey on their podcast. And how many people are, is it just a cool thing to have Matthew McConaughey on your podcast? And you're like, what's your favorite movie that you've ever been in as an actor? And he's probably going to have a similar answer that you did. And so the hint or the idea, and like I said, you hit it perfectly, is Watch out for that impossible question that, that you may not have dropped it before. Or if you are going to drop it, at least give him a chance to think about it. Cause I think this is where that rule would break down. But then also just realize you're going to create an awkward spot. You're going to take him out of his thought process. You're going to destroy the energy, probably. And then there is a reason why he asked is at the end. And you're going to have to try hard to get it back on track because. He just spent his the last 30 seconds, maybe going through his entire existence, trying to find something. And then he's no longer in this path and flow of conversation.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I think that was a fantastic question and a really good point that you bring up. And just to add to that, there's also this game that you have to play when answering a question like that, which is if I say this, am I pissing off this person? If I say this, am I pissing off? Did I forget to mention this person? Like it's not just a matter of, Will I remember which one was really my favorite? Or if I say that working on Wolf of Wall Street was the best thing I've ever done, like now are all the people who I ever worked with on you know various movies, Dallas Buyers Club or whatever, are they like, what the hell, man? We won an Oscar for that movie. Like how could that last week you but said like, it was
0: our movie. Now you're saying it's another movie. Yeah. So I, I
1: think that's a a really really solid point to stress, which is try not to ask open ended questions that. You know you're not gonna get the the right answer. Like be more pointed in your questions, be more specific. And and truthfully, when you're interviewing a Matthew McConaughey, again, ask him things that nobody else is asking him.
0: Yeah, that they couldn't read in the book either. Right? Like or maybe a story yeah, in the book could- that they wish he would have riffed on more because that book if you've never read it it is a great book or a great plug to go into. It's probably one of my top like 5 all-time books of cuz he acts out the book in the audio in the only way Matthew McConaughey can do and so just made the whole experience even better.
1: Yeah, that's uh I'll have to check that out. But yeah, that's a that was a good uh, closing question there. Sir. And
0: he also he he titles the book at the end or he claims it like he wanted to write this book is not as a self-help book, but an approach book. An approach to look for the green lights and avoid the red lights or when a red light hits how to find the green lights again which is the name of the book the green lights so matthew that's wrapping it up from studio three here wherever address you didn't like my 192.168 so i still have to work on the address part but thank you matthew we did a great topic here today and i think we did a good service to podcasting to help and ask better questions
1: great questions today sir and thank you as always for uh I would say for having me, but this is kind of our show, so that's a weird (laughs) thing to say to you. (laughs) Thanks for being here with me, sir. You're welcome.